0: You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. take your Bibles, I'd like for you to find three places this morning. If you can turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 40. I'm just going to look at one verse there. And then turn to Luke 21, uh, verses 25, and ultimately we'll get to verse 36. And then find Daniel chapter 7. All right? There is a method to my madness, all right? So just... uh, Go ahead and take your time to find them. Don't be afraid to use your index. <clears throat> if you don't have a copy of God's Word or if you don't have f- three places to mark, these scriptures are uh, in the notes provided for you um, in your bulletin. And then if you're watching online, you can use our Bible app or the Bible app, the Version Bible app, uh, Y-O-U version. And you can go to the More tab, tap events, find Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Click on today's sermon title, Advent. And then all the scriptures should be there for your reference as well. We want to make sure you have an open Bible and make sure that I'm preaching God's word to you. All right. Luke chapter 12, verse 40, and then parts of Luke 21. I want to preach to you a sermon that is more of a Christmas meditation. Something I'm asking you to believe uh, this morning. And it's just a simple title. Advent. Advent. Are you ready for Christmas? You know I am. I stay perpetually ready for Christmas. Are you ready to deck the halls? My daughter is. you ready to be jolly? <laughs> Don your gay apparel? And troll the ancient Yuletad carol. Troll just means to really sing loud. I had to look that up. I didn't know. Are you ready for Advent? A little bit different question. Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago. And it's such a simple statement, but this is incredibly profound died for our sins, was buried, and then rose again from the dead on the third day. Then, he's not done. This is all in his first advent, by the way. He ascended into heaven, poured out the Holy Spirit, started this society, the church, and church, he's coming again. There's a second advent. See, in the church calendar, your liturgical calendars, We not only celebrate Jesus' first advent at Christmas, this time of the year, but the point of the first Sunday in the Western church's year, calendar year, is this Sunday, is not just celebration of Christmas, but it's the purpose of preparing the church and the world for the second advent of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. In the New Testament, the New Testament is filled with expressions of Jesus' second advent. He is the thief in the night. He is the groom coming for his bride. Have you noticed what we focus, though, on in preparation for Jesus' second advent? If you've spent any time in the book of Revelation or any type of end times or eschatological study, most Christians are focused on pestilence rumors of wars the mark of the beast he spends so much time trying to divine those things and yet if you'll see in the book of luke for christians this is the day of redemption lift up your head it's a day of celebration and expectation and yet the one part that i find so interesting On the lips of Jesus, when you actually go back and study just what Jesus had to say about the end of time and his return, he focuses on an unusual expression that oftentimes we just don't give too much thought to. And I want us to meditate on this one particular title. He draws our attention to a very unique man. A unique man, not the man of lawlessness, Not the beast, that's not the point. It's a different focus for our preparation. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 40. And I'm going to be reading these off my notes. So if you don't see me flipping through the scriptures, I want you to know I've I've just typed them onto here. Luke chapter 12, verse 40 says this. You, and he says y'all, he's talking to his disciples, also must be ready. Be ready. Because... The Son of Man, if you underline in your Bible, underline that. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. And by the way, just to help you read your Bible a little better, hour is like the shortest amount of time back in the ancient days, all right? So when you say hour, He can mean moment, all right? You don't know the moment when the Son of Man will return. Then let's drop to Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. It says this, And this is Jesus speaking about this advent or coming of the Son of Man. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see, note, the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, this is the, the awesome part for this, the disciples, those who repent of their sins and trust in Jesus as Savior. Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. You see that sign on the sky? Get ready. It's a great day for us. And then let's go to Luke 21. So, Jesus begins to tell us what type of people we ought to be in light of his second advent. He says this, be careful of your hearts. This is verse 35. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. (laughs) Isn't it true? You go through tough times, there's just a weight. It's a burden. He understands how burdensome those end times will be. He says, but be careful, don't get that way. Notice why. And that day will will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand, notice it again, before the Son of Man. Are you ready for the advent? of the son of man. Who is the son of man? This is so important that we understand what Jesus meant by the son of man. And this is where Daniel chapter 7 comes into play. So if we go to Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 through 14, this is an Old Testament prophecy by the prophet Daniel about the son of man. And this is who or what Jesus is alluding to. This is what he's alluding to. So notice what it says here. This is Daniel. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like the Son of Man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days. If you notice in your translations, it's probably capitalized. The Ancient of Days is a title for God himself, Yahweh, the God of Israel. So he approaches God and was escorted before him. Now, get the weight of that. He just walks right on up to God, all right? He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Now here's what happens when we read the Gospels, the accounts or biographies of Jesus' life, and we read that Son of Man. And we bring to bear our theology of Jesus on it. We tend to think of the Son of Man as a term of humiliation. It's condescension. It's God became man. But when you realize the Jewish context in which Jesus is speaking here, he talks about the Son of Man who receives a kingdom. It's not humiliating at all, is it? This son of man, according to Daniel, is escorted into the very presence of God, looks God a to ah, and God gives him jurisdiction over everything in the universe. says, it's yours. Your kingdom will be perpetual, eternal. It will not die. And everything under the heaven, on the earth, above the heavens, everything will be subject to you. That's a profound state. Now, I want to note something, and and I don't want to make too much of this, but it is important to note it. Notice how Daniel says this. He calls it one like the Son of Man. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I wanted to make sure before I made a point of this. There is a Hebrew preposition there that's saying it's one according to the Son of Man, one as the Son of Man. There is a word particle there that's trying to say there is some continuity and discontinuity with this person. He's not exactly just a man. He's more than a man. If everybody catches that. So write that down. One like. One like the son of man. There's continuity and discontinuity. It is precisely because of this nature, okay, his character, that he should be the one to govern us. Lord over us. He is in one sense, churches is good, not like us. He is in one sense not like us. He is higher than us. In another sense he is just like us. He is acquainted with us. He feels as we feel. He suffers as we suffer. Because he unites these two sides together in one character, he is worthy to receive a kingdom and a dominion without end. I mean, think about this just for a minute, like a political leader. Don't you want a political leader that can sympathize with you and at the same time doesn't struggle with the same things you struggle with? He's like the Son of Man. So this is like the ideal candidate that you want to rule and reign over the universe. Is it any wonder then that if you go back and study the gospel that Jesus' favorite self-designation, the very nickname he gives himself is this, the Son of Man. It is on Jesus' lips some 30 plus times and only found like four or five times in the rest of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? He continues to call himself, I am the Son of Man. When the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes, he keeps preaching about the Son of Man being his identity. Write it down. It's his favorite designation for himself. At Christmas, we savor the first advent of the Son of Man. At Christmas, we savor the first arrival, the first appearing of the Son of Man. Now I want you to think about this. What I just told you, what the title meant, this person who has received, he was worthy to receive dominion and a kingdom without end. Now think about, now take that and put that on the life of Jesus. And you're gonna say, Well, that's really odd. Because think of this: at his first advent, the Son of Man came in great humility. Born <laughs> of the Virgin Mary, placed in a feeding trough. Angelic host and lowly shepherds attended his birth. He was born under the law, tempted yet without sin, holy, despised and rejected, obeyed by winds and waves, entered into Jerusalem as a king, but what? On a donkey, surrounded by shouts of praise that then turned into calls for crucifixion, He was found not guilty by Pilate and then suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was executed inhumanely, but yet he made a spectacle of all the demonic forces. He was dead and then he was alive and now lives forevermore. He ascended in great power. He is the paradox of sorts. He is one like the Son of Man and he is coming again. If the law and prophets, here's what I want you to catch. If the whole Old Testament Bible was preparing God's people for his first advent, what makes you imagine you're really ready for the second one? That's all the whole Old Testament. He's coming, he's coming. And then Jesus' life unfolds and people are like, what is that? It's full of what seems like contradictions. But what is it? It's the continuity and discontinuity of being like the Son of Man. Because in one sense, He is thoroughly like us, and in another sense, He is thoroughly not like us. He is worthy to, be, to rule over the wills of men. He deserves all worship, honor, and service. Think of this because He served us all. That's what's the counterintuitive part. He just is going to receive a dominion and a kingdom without end. And what does the Son of Man come to do in his first advent? To serve you. You. To serve you. He served all of us. He did something for us that we could have never done. Something that he did not have to do. And it's what? He atoned for our sins. He died for our sins. Remember, just think about how contrary. When Jesus said this statement, it's probably the most famous verse in Mark, but it's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Given the Jewish context and Daniel's prophecy, all right, listen to this verse, it's not in your notes. Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Could you imagine the people that heard him and said, What? Daniel says he receives a kingdom and a dominion. Everyone is subject to him. He goes, yes, but he didn't come to be served. The person who is worthy of all service came first as a servant. Have you ever thought about this? We say this a lot. All power, we talk about people with all power corrupts. And, and it's partially true, but not true. It's just we've invested imperfect power into an imperfect person. But when perfect power arrives, Jesus, notice what perfect power does, sacrifices itself and purifies humanity's souls. See, he's the only one worthy of all power. Give him everything. Why? Because he uses it for the good of every person. Isn't that amazing? The king of kings, weapon of choice was a cross you thought about that what's his weapon what's his arsenal hang me up and I'll draw all men to me wow the chain breaker bound the truth questioned the light blotted out and the life died Why? so the son of man can make the sons of men the children of God His resurrection was the vindication of his title to be Lord. That proved him to be the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, that he alone could baptize men and women with the Holy Spirit. He extends exclusive membership in his kingdom to all peoples everywhere who will surrender to his lordship. We surrender, we put our hands up, we confess we are sinners, and what? Receive Jesus as Savior alone. He's our Savior and God. And again, I'll remind you, He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. How do we know that? God proved that by raising Him from the dead. He made Him judge. You're not just standing before some philosopher's God. Every single one of us will stand before the Son of Man. This has been the faith of Christendom. This faith has given all the worth and interest to Advent and Christmas days. These have declared that one like the Son of Man has actually proved that dominion over people everywhere is his. From Jesus, we receive physical and spiritual life, power to see, hear, think, believe, hope, and, love, and apart from him, we are nothing. He is Jesus, one like of Son of Man, perfect humanity, and perfect God. So what? So what? Right? What importance do you assign to Jesus' first advent? What importance do you assign to Christmas? Actually, I'm saying this, strip it of its consumerism and materialism. I'm talking about the advent of the Son of Man. What importance do you ascribe to it? You think about this. What has history done? We have, his first advent has literally split history. His first advent made it before Christ. And then in his second advent, I mean, before his second advent, we, we call it, we're in the year of the Lord. We're in the year. We're waiting for his return. But it literally split history. Now, here's what I want you to think about. If that's the importance that the world put on this man's first coming, what kind of importance do you think we'll ascribe to his second one? It's none other than the end of history. When we get to the end of time, we'll look at his second advent and say there was before Christ, in a sinful, fallen estate, and there was the time when Christ came and made all things new. Can you imagine that? Imagine that, BC and AD, when he comes again. So, what sort of people should we be in light of this man who splits history and ends history, right? Well, the end of Tom holds for us one of two things. This is what the Bible teaches, and it sounds, again, so simplistic. But it's either one of two things. If you are in Christ, his second advent is a day of redemption. It's the restoration of our bodies and where all things are made new. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. That's what holds for you. And so lift up your head. No reason to be discouraged or what does Jesus say? Or weighed down. Wow, the world's passing away. Right? And the Son of Man, he's coming. But if you're not in Christ, if you haven't repented of your sins and trusted and rested in Christ alone for salvation, redemption, then I need you to understand your His second advent is the judgment of the living and the dead. You will stand before Jesus in his full wrath and righteous anger. And so Jesus addresses, think about the practical application. He addresses the conscientiousness of every individual. Be watchful, be careful. Right? You are told. He tells you. He's not hiding anything. Be ready. Because you don't know when the Son of Man comes. And again, if you think, we can figure it out. They didn't understand when he came the first time. He, you're not going to understand when he comes the second time. You're not. So his only emphasis to you is just, you've got to be ready. Like, today is your last day. And you would stand before God and give a, an account of your life by the close of this sermon, that's what you've got to be ready to do. Again, if people could not grasp his first advent, what makes you think you know the time and place of either his return or your death? We don't. Here's how I want to test you, okay? Here's the little test you can apply to yourself whether or not you're ready for Christmas and ready for the second advent. Of the Son of Man. And it's real simple. Ready? Write it down. Are you sober minded or disillusioned? It's a telltale sign. Are you sober minded or disillusioned? When you look at the things of the world, does it weigh you down? Because, and this is a hard part, I'm not saying it's easy, but if your mind is fixed on the return of the Lord, it puts everything else into perspective. In some ways, you look at the chaotic, just mess in the world, and you go, it's going according to plan. Isn't that weird? It's supposed to get worse. It looks like it. The Christian should be, in some sense, relieved. We've been told, we've been warned, right? So we're just ready. And so it actually inspires us to be sober minded, not disillusioned, not defeated, not discouraged. Why? Because for us, it can only get better. You see how that works? It changes our attitude. It changes our perspective on life. And church, think about it right now. If you have a different attitude about what's going on in the world right now, you will stand out like a light in a very dark place. If you actually believe that you have a living hope, you expect something good to come from all this, you've got to be a Christian. Why? Because our hope is not founded or rest in anything in this world. Because what we've noticed, the world is broken. And occasionally, like a clock, it gets things right every once in a while. <laughs> but for the most part, it's broken due to our sin. So are you sober minded or disillusioned? Has this pandemic, I'm, I, I believe it, has it called your attention to the Son of Man? It should. It should. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying it is the end of the world, but it could be. Has your sickness called your attention to the Son of Man? It should. The voice to students, the voice of your parents and the warnings they give you, hey, should call your attention to the Son of Man. Be ready, be watchful, be sober-minded, not disillusioned. Has any of these warnings, these signs, does the, the chaos prick your conscience? Has your conscience been convicted of the judgment of the Son of Man? Have your sins been laid bare in front of your face? Have you seen the scheme of how our whole existence is broken? Have you confessed you are a sinner and given yourself to Him, Jesus, as the Lord of all? Or do you continue, here's the disillusionment, just continue to ignore the Savior. There's a little verse. And I don't want to read too much into this because I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Because if he's coming from a Christian perspective, I really can understand it. There's a little Facebook ad that we have going that it says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord. It's taken from Proverbs. And a guy quoted on there, do not pounce on this fella. okay? <laughs> don't go find that ad about what you're talking about. And if he means like, he says this, I will never fear God. And at first, if you mean this in a Christian, because love, perfect love, does cast out all fear. Once we receive Jesus' sacrificial death for our sins, we have nothing to fear with God. All right? But if you do not receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have every reason to fear. I I don't understand why people don't preach the fear of the Lord. And because if you go read Proverbs, it's the beginning of wisdom. You're a fool until you fear the God of Israel. You're full, And then once you find his son, just love, 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 okay? But I it's so amazing. Like, what an what a interesting statement that things around you in the world can be falling apart. And you can, if he means it this way, you can raise your fist to the God of heaven and go, I'm not scared of you. I don't know what it's like. I don't want to say I don't know what it's like, but that way we all probably do. That's a scary thought to raise your hand in defiance of God. You may appear before the judgment of God, before the close of the sermon. And that's not, again, that's not fear-mongering. It's just reality. You don't know. This very night, your soul may be required of you. One day you will close your eyes. All of us will, unless Christ returns. And all the things that are familiar to you will pass away, and you will enter into a region where Jesus is most assuredly reigning. You will, and you'll see him. And again, the question kind of comes back to this. Are you sober or disillusioned? Deceived your heart? Let the cares of the world weigh you down? Are you ready to wake up from your sleep? That's one of the things we always quote here. Wake up, let the light shine on you. Let the truth penetrate your heart and turn in repentance. Have the duties of life thrust themselves in your way? I mean, how it's so true, isn't it? I saw this the other week. Adulting, right? Being an adult is just saying it'll get better in two weeks until you die. Like it's the truth, right? You just keep telling that to yourself. Like it's going to slow down in two weeks. And next thing you know, you're just dead. But when we live in that kind of hurried lifestyle, we never really give a thought to the end. You thought you could neglect him. You thought you could hold it off. But here's what I need you to catch. If you neglect the one thing, this is what Jesus says all the time. If you neglect the one thing you can't neglect, you've lost it all. I mean, really. And I mean this, even the great things, family, right? Church, if you neglect the Son of Man, even if you did your family 100% right, you've lost it all. You've got to get this one thing in place first. It has the preeminence in all things. And it's the advent of the Son of Man. That's what you have to answer. The Son of Man will criticize no one who will come to him. No one. doesn't care about your past. doesn't care about your background. He just sit bid you to come. Come to him and receive him. All of you are invited to him. Say this, I assuredly, I know I'm one of the wicked. My conscience tells me that. And I can see no way out of my wickedness unless someone has come into the world to deliver me from it. Unless someone will enable me to be a partaker of his righteousness. I hear that such a one has come and I want him. I leave myself in his hands. I want to have that life of the Son of Man who did not spare himself, but gave himself for me. This I know that I want, and this, therefore, I seek. Is the Son of Man what you want? He's the desire of our hearts. The Son of Man has come, the Son of Man is calling you to repentance and faith in him. And most assuredly, the Son of Man is coming again. Are you ready? I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to do two things. One, if if you have never prayed or called out to Jesus as the Son of Man, Son of God, Son of Man, perfect humanity, perfect divinity, dwell bodily. In Jesus Christ. And think, with all that power, what does he do? He gives his life as your ransom. To make the payment for the penalty of your sin. So that you can be free and forgiven. And the Bible tells us that all who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is God. And here's our faults and whispers. And if you're ready to call out to Jesus to confess you are a sinner, you deserve judgment and hell, but you believe that, you, that he loves you and has come to deliver you, and you'll commit your life to him. You'll rest wholly in him. then would you repeat this prayer quietly in your heart to King Jesus? Say, dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner and I deserve hell. But I know that you love me. That you came down for me, lived a sinless life, and served me in a way no one ever has. You died for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you that if you prayed that prayer and you've never been baptized, that your next step in your walk with following Jesus is to express to the world, right? To show the church and the world that you have confessed your sin and you've committed your life to Christ. And we do that through baptism. That's what Jesus explains. In baptism, we are showing the church in the world that we believe and identify with Jesus's death for our sins when we go under the water and when we come up out of the water we're saying we believe in Jesus's death and resurrection for our forgiveness and eternal life And my encouragement to you is to be to go public you have nothing to be ashamed of of the gospel is to be baptized and if you've never been baptized check off that baptism box on the tear off panel text believe to our text and church number, Or go to our website and click on that baptism tab. Give us an opportunity to talk to you more about the next step of baptism. The last thing that I want to do for those who are Christians, and Stacey, you can begin to play. I want to read again. I love just finding these prayers. I'm sure you're probably tired of it already. But these prayers are beautiful that the church has just given us over the years. And I want you to hear this one. It says, come Lord Jesus, take away scandals from your kingdom which is my soul. <laughs> he calls his own soul the scandal. And reign therein. You who alone have the right for avarice or greed comes to claim a throne within me. Haltiness and self-assertion would rule over me. Prod would be my king. Luxury says I will reign. Ambition, detraction, envy, and anger struggle within me. For mastery. Come then, O Lord, and disperse these enemies in your power and reign in me, for you yourself are my king and my God, who gives salvation to your chosen ones. And I know we all long for the day when he'll reign over the earth, but while we're in between the advents, he's looking to reign in your life. Will you pray that prayer during this time of reflection? Here's how I'd like to end this time. We're going to stand and sing just the chorus of that song, Stacy. I think that would be a wonderful way to end the sermon, and then after that, we'll dive into our business meeting. Let's stand and sing this song. What a day that will be When my Jesus I shall see And I look upon his face The one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads us through that promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Amen, amen. All right, you can be seated. I have just a couple of quick announcements, but we'll go ahead and here's what I want to do. We'll call ourselves into business and somebody might have to go. <laughs> and get poor uh, brother Randy and Andrew Lavoner outside uh, because I think they've got all the (laughs) ballots. so uh, if they want to get them they've been uh, church budget vote could drive in and do that and that's the reason why they've got all those so I'll bring them in and and they can start passing those out while they're doing that uh, let me just give you a couple of uh, brief announcements and then we'll be uh, we'll do our business and be dismissed all right uh, first of all, please RSVP for church. You can text RSVP to our text in church number. Also, on the back of that tear off panel, there's a section where you can check off uh, the Sundays in advance. Uh, you can drop it in the drop box, and then I would be delighted uh, to just enter that manually for you. If you give me an email address, you will actually get confirmation uh, that you've uh, that you've um, that you've RSVP'd. Brother Andrew and Randy, yeah, you can go ahead and, and pass those out, uh, and then also. Uh, let me make sure I'm I'm got to do it in order. Don't forget to join uh, us at six o'clock tonight. Remember, it's three things. You're, we're going to do communion together. All right, it's the fifth Sunday of November. Uh, we're going to do our candlelight service uh, to honor uh, lot, that our our Lottie Moon International Missions offering to kick that off, and then we'll also have our drive-through Christmas story. So be here at six. Don't forget that if you. Come um, any other night of the week, try to to drive through the Christmas story. Text lights to our Texan church number. You'll see some signs for that, and it'll make sure to give you the radio so you can hear the Christmas story and music narration as you drive around. All right? And then, um, we're good. You need any? Yeah, we got a couple pins or something. And then the last thing I wanted to mention to you uh, before we take this vote um, is. Th- you should see sometime today, all right, when I schedule it to go out, um, I purchased a um, from Christianity Today uh, an Advent devotional. They did it digitally this year because, of course, we don't want to pass too much paper out, okay? Uh, but it starts today, the first day of Advent, November 29th, and will take you all the way to Christmas. Uh, and so you should get an email. If for some reason you don't get that email, uh Please let me know. You can, um, yeah. Anybody else need pens or ballots? They're passing those out now. Um, but you should get that email, and it should come with two attachments. All right. One's the actual devotional that you can download onto your phone, tablet, smart, uh, uh, your device, anything like that. And then also, it'll come with a reading calendar if you wanted to read. Uh, the uh, biblical passages that's kind of in the liturgical calendar all the way to Christmas, all right? So just be on the lookout for that email. I know a lot of times people are looking for a good reading plan to prepare themselves for Christmas, and uh, this one was just exceptional. So I just am endorsing it to you. I'll send it out to you, and, uh, and just maybe take five, ten minutes a night with your family and read it, okay? Everybody got ballots and pens? You can vote now. Everybody good? Because I'll send them back around to pick it up. All right. If you guys, um, I'm going to have my deacons come back through. And if you want to, don't pass them. They'll just come get them, all right? Uh, But my deacons will grab these, and we'll let you know about uh, the vote tonight. I don't think that's a problem. All right? You go ahead and grab them, Brother Randy. We'll pick them back up. And uh, after that... uh, I'll pray close us out of business and then you come and lead us in our um, last song And for those who are visiting thank you for being patient with us. We don't do this every Sunday we just <laughs> okay. Anybody else have any other ballots? Some over here in this corner, Brother Richie. Are we good? Anybody else have any other one? I think Brother Charles was last. All right, let's bow for prayer, and we'll, that will conclude the business portion of the service. And then we'll also uh, sing our last worship song. Heavenly Father, um, it's good to call you Father. It's good to know that the God of the universe is for us and not against us. And we recognize that that is because of the gift of the Son of Man who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, something that we can never do um, because he was perfectly God and then died on the cross as a man and shed his blood for all of our sin. And we thank you for that atonement, for the price that was paid so that we can be free. We can have our hearts clean and clear uh, to approach you with confidence because of Jesus' righteousness. We thank you for his resurrection, that we're not preaching about some dead rabbi and the hopes of what he did or may have done. But we know uh, that you accept uh, his gift of salvation on the cross for our sins uh, and that we can be free in his name. And so, Lord, I pray as we enter into this season that you'll make it holy unusually special and strong for us, Um, and that, Lord, we pray especially uh, for our our drive-through Christmas story, uh, as I do believe hundreds, if not thousands of people uh, may come, that the gospel will be clearly communicated through both the narration uh, and uh, the stations themselves, Father, uh, that your gospel would penetrate hearts and turn uh, people to repentance and faith of your Son. And we will give you the glory for all that you do. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the business of this church. And uh, we pray that your your will will continue to be accomplished uh, in this family. We thank you so much for Jesus and his work on the cross that we can even talk to you now. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit here comforting in God. we pray this in Jesus' strong name and all God's people say, amen. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemaris.com.